SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. player you look for every advantage you can get congratulations you just found it the winning edge sports gaming strategies and information you won't find anywhere else 24 hours a day seven days a week this is the sports grid radio network are you ready this is pushing the odds pushing the odds live from las vegas vegas baby vegas Here's your host, Matt Peralt. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. When it comes to sports, being on the West Coast from a scheduling standpoint is just a better place to be. How are you, boys and girls? Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Pushing the Odds here on Sports Grid Radio, Channel 204. We are here exclusively for one hour on XM, and then we welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience. Folks, coming up at the top of the next hour, we have two games here one in Vegas, one in Phoenix, that will have the country's attention. We don't have one game today. We have two. Last night was kind of a boring day, huh? Not a great day for baseball. Okay, Padres-Dodgers kind of saved the day a little bit for something decent to watch, once again, on the West Coast. But tonight, we've got the Vegas Golden Knights against the Montreal Canadiens. Vegas, a big home favorite tonight against Montreal in Game 5. Will Vegas do to the Canadiens, what the Lightning just did to the New York Islanders. I don't think so. That was an unbelievable 8 nothing win for Tampa. It was over early. And the type of game where if you're an Islanders fan, you just kind of wipe it away and you hope that you can win the next two games to save your season because Tampa flexed their muscles and they show just how much better they can be over Either goaltender, by the way, it didn't matter who was in net, and it was just a brutal night for the Islanders and and a really sharp night for that offense for Tampa. Vegas has the firepower to be able to do that to Montreal, but this is Carey Price, and Montreal is not going to play in open style. I thought the Islanders might go and play more wide open. That's why I bet the over five last night for goals. Uh, I should have bet over five and a half, six and a half, seven and a half. That all hit. Every number hit. For the total, but it was because I thought Tampa was going to be angry about losing game four and at home, I thought they'd open it up and they did. They came out skating really fast, quick goal in the first two minutes. And really, it was just an avalanche after that, a waterfall of goals coming through. And the Islanders, basically by about halfway through the second period, knew that game was over and they kind of punted on it. We'll talk to Dennis Bernstein from the NHL channel here on SiriusXM at 40 past the hour this hour. I've got a question about officiating that I want Dennis to go over because the amount of Montreal Canadian whining that I've seen on social media is incredible to me. I've heard it here on Sports Grid Radio. I've read about it. It is incredible the amount of belly aching and complaining that Montreal fans are doing about this series. And to me, it's a little unbecoming of an original six city because in fan base, because you guys know it's the postseason. I mean, this is what we've all grown up watching. I mean, I'm from an original six city. I I know what to expect. I know what's expected of the officials. Basically, put the whistle in your pocket and just skate around. 
if a guy's bleeding, okay, fine. And there has been missed calls where Montreal players have been bleeding. And I'll give you, you want to get angry about one or two calls? That's fine. But the idea that the entire series has been rigged towards Vegas and that the referees have been told by the NHL to not call penalties and that Vegas can do whatever they want. What? I mean, come on now. Who plays on the West Coast? I thought everybody out here was a bunch of softies. I, I thought West Coast athletes playing in the desert, you know, what? how do you have any ability to play hockey? How do you have any ability to represent the NHL or to beat the mighty Montreal Canadiens and all their banners hanging in the Bell Center, which they've all won at the Forum, not at the Bell Center. But regardless, 1993 was a long time ago. You guys have a lot of PTSD, clearly, about what's happened in the postseason because you think everyone's against you. So we'll get to Dennis Bernstein coming up at 40 past. We've got a lot on Game 2 tonight for the Clippers and the Phoenix Suns. So Phoenix was a six-point favorite to open. Money has come in big time on the Clippers. We are seeing a four-and-a-half-point line at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now for these two teams. We are also watching a total that is moving, and I'm curious to see how aggressively will this total move and where we wind up. 224 last night was the total when I bet the under. It's now 223 here at FanDuel, so it's starting to come down. The line has ticked back up a little bit here. Some Suns money just came in at FanDuel. They've moved the line to minus five. It was four and a half literally five minutes ago. So now it's minus five for Phoenix tonight. I don't know if Devin Booker has another 40 triple-double in him. I'm going to say no. But I do think this is going to be a really competitive game. And I think the Clippers are going to try really hard to avoid going down 0-2 again for a third consecutive series. It's a pretty big number, right? (laughs) I mean, going down 0-2, regardless if you're going back home or not, is not what you want to have happen. And you don't want to be, you know, pushed in the Western Conference Finals praying for a seven-game series. And essentially, you go down 2-0, you're essentially praying for a seven-game series. So, big game tonight. If the Clippers can win without Kawhi Leonard, he will not play. Chris Paul equally will not play. What will the Clipper defense look like on Devin Booker with the pick and rolls? That's I'm watching that from the get-go. Like, right away, I want to see that. Because he killed them in the mid-range. They went under screens. Booker just rose up and knocked down 15-footer after 15-footer. I really want to see what happens. I want to see how they defend it. And then I want to see what the team does on the other end to try to create more offense and not just have it be all Chris Paul. Marcus Morris, I know you got banged up in the last game. You okay? They need you to hit threes in a big-time, big-time way. And if not him... Somebody else, Batum, someone's got to step up and have a you know 15-point game to help out Paul George. A lot to come here on a Tuesday. We have our four big stories hitting you on the other side, and we'll break down the games coming up tonight a lot more. It is a Tuesday. It's Pushing the Odds here on Sports Grid Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Everybody's got an opinion. Go ahead. Ask them. But only a few have an opinion informed by expert analysis and experience. It's called trust. It's why we're here. For you. Keep it here and get the edge. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, we're going to break down, excuse me, we'll break down the Vegas Golden Knights coming up against the Montreal Canadiens with Dennis Bernstein at 40 past. We'll talk about Carl Nasbitt's announcement coming out that he is gay yesterday here in the Big Four in our four big stories, but just kind of a quick comment on it. And that he plays here in Las Vegas, which Vegas has such an incredible community and just an incredible amount of people who are going to support him and be helped by him. Look, we we went through this back in 2014. And when a player comes out as gay, this is not this is news because he's the first active play. Michael Sam was drafted in 2014, but he did not play in the NFL. He didn't make the roster for the Rams. So this is a player who now is on a roster, who has a contract, who will come to training camp here in Las Vegas to play with the Raiders. He's going to be on the team next year. And he came out yesterday and very quickly you know, said, I'm gay. Didn't do a whole big like, like, you know, just said, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm raising money for a cause that is important to me. But I think it comes down to that kid who might be playing football in Pop Warner, that person who feels isolated, that person who feels alone and has nobody to, to look up to and nobody to, to you know, say, I can be like him. If he can do it, why can't I? In life, so often, so I teach a course at UNLV. And one of the things I talk about with a lot of the kids, because most of the kids who take my class it's an audio class, but most of the kids who take my class are looking to become the next whomever, right? They have an idol. They've got someone to look up to. They've got someone they want to idolize. And I often say, look, you have to contact that person because 95% of the time, unless that person is like, I want to be the next Christina Aguilera or something that's you know not really someone you can reach. But most people in the media, if you say, I want to be the next, you know, I don't know, Chris Collinsworth, or I want to be the next... Mel Kuyper Jr., right? Most often, those people are accessible in some form, either on social media or through email or something. They're agents. Like, you can get a hold of them to say, hey, my name is blank. I'm a blank at UNLV, and I am looking to become a whatever, and could you give me advice on X? And in the media, for more than, I would say, my entire career, I, I've, I've come across numerous people who would be honored to spend 30 minutes talking to you or 15 minutes writing an email back or 5 to 10 minutes listening to a piece of audio that you may, that you may have. Because I, I think all of us know what it's like to be that college kid or that person trying to make it. But Carl Naspeth now gives a kid who's 12 years old – who may be just coming into his own sexuality to say, I want to be in the NFL and go, but wait, I'm gay. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if players are going to be comfortable. Can I do it? To have that kid, to have that young person be given somebody to look up to, to say, if he did it, I can do it too. I mean, look, there are other gay athletes in the NFL. Come on. 
We know this. We've known this forever. There's gay NBA players. There's gay hockey players. I mean, we, we know this. But Carl had the courage yesterday to make the announcement, to make a $100,000 donation to the Trevor Project to, you know, I don't think he's trying to become, you know, so, you know the, this symbol, but he's going to be, for a lot of young people, he's going to be a symbol of if he did it, why can't I? And for that, I think it's incredible. I think it's absolutely incredible, and he's gonna, if he helps one young person, if just one young person, as we know, LGBTQ plus youth, teenagers, are incredibly vulnerable to suicide. If he causes one young person to stop from committing that horrific act to themselves, that was worth it. What he did yesterday was worth it, should be praised, should be celebrated, and he should be commended for the courage. Yeah, I've seen it as well as anybody else. There's social media idiots and ignorant people in the world who are going to say things, and it won't be all, it won't be all great for him. But I think he knows that, and he understands that. And he was a Penn State standout guy who was, you know, if you go back, Google, uh, go to go to YouTube and watch him on Hard Knocks, educating his teammates uh, a couple of years back on how to how to properly invest their time and their money. It's a very, very smart person. And he knew what he was doing. He went to the NFL, went to the Raiders. Yeah, I mean I, I think it's it's just a really, really great moment for the NFL. But we start our four big stories with game two tonight. Clippers and the Suns. Chris Paul will not play. Kawhi Leonard will not play. Suns are four and a half point favorites tonight. Opened up as six point favorites. Clippers are down 0-2 or went down 0-2 in their previous two series, but the public believes that L.A. will play better. Head coach Ty Lu is not making any excuses for the schedule that had his team play Friday, Sunday, and now here on Tuesday. Well, we have to get our treatments. You know, you got to take care of our body. But, you know, like I said, game one yesterday, we just had to be smart. We know we know it's a quick turnaround time. And the minutes that he's been playing and logging, um, his usage rate has been, you know, high. So we knew we had to be smart, you know, about coming into game one. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's no excuse. You know, it's, just, it's the schedule the NBA's put out. It's the schedule we got to play. So, you know, other guys got to step up, be ready to go. You know, that's why we had to play 10 guys last game, just so we can try to, you know, get some kind of recovery, you know. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, we got to be ready to go for game two. We can't worry about tired. We can't worry about the schedule. We just got to go out and get after it. Number two, as I mentioned, Las Vegas Raiders defensive lineman Carl Nassip made history yesterday by becoming the first openly gay active NFL player with this announcement on Instagram. What's up, people? I'm Carl Nassib. I'm at my house here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. just want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. Um, I really have the best life. I got the best family, friends, and job a guy could ask for. Um, I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. Um, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. Um, I actually hope that like one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. Um, but until then, you know, I'm going to do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate. Number three, yesterday was the first day that pitchers could be inspected and suspended if they are found to be using illegal substances to increase their grip and spin rate of the ball. It was an interesting day. We got to watch this in the gambling world. Julio Arias had given up three runs in the first the entire year, gave up four to the Padres in the first inning. 
yesterday. Others, like Jacob DeGrom, had no issue. He pitched five scoreless, striking out six. After the game, DeGrom had no issues with the umpires checking to see if he was cheating. Were the two sticky stuff checks kind of what you expected them to be, or, or did it take you by surprise at all? Um, you know, they said going into it they were going to check, and, um, you know, I expected it. Um, you know, it is what it is, and they wanted to go ahead and check, and that was fine. Fourth and finally, it's over. D-back radio on the call. The Arizona Diamondbacks snapped their 17-game losing streak last night. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Sports Grid TV Network is a new streaming video sports channel for you, dedicated to serving the massive fantasy sports and wagering audience. Sports Grid TV is live, free on Vizio SmartCast, with real-time data and expert commentary featuring Pat McAfee, Scott Farrell, Gabe Marinci, Pro Football Doc Dr. David Chow, NFL Insider Adam Kaplan, and more. Simply connect to the Vizio Smart TV video service for instant access to the free sports channels to watch Sports Grid and get the winning edge. That's Sports Grid TV, free on Vizio SmartCast. We're here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Don't believe us. Never turn us off. You'll see. Keep listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. This is Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. It is pushing the odds here on a Tuesday. 702-751. Matt, the text line, 702-751-6288. We do, people have been talking a lot about this in terms of like, why is there a Pride Month? This is Pride Month, June. Why do we have this? Well, I I think it's it's for the very reason why Carl Nassib decided to come out. And in his statement where it was released through the Raiders and through the NFL, As he wrote, studies have shown that all it takes is one accepting adult to decrease the risk of an LGBTQ kid attempting suicide by 40%. Whether you're a friend, a parent, a coach, or a teammate, you can be that person. So that's, I mean, that's why he did this. And that's, you know, the NFL tweeted that out. And I think it's great that the NFL is standing behind this. And it's great that the NFL and the Raiders had been openly supportive of this, and players like J.J. Watt, uh, Saquon Barkley, and others who have come out publicly. Unfortunately, I haven't seen enough from the Raiders themselves, and I really want to see guys like Derek Carr, which, frankly, I mean, I'm not saying I've searched every social media post, so he may have done it, but I'm looking for guys like that. I'm looking for teammates, people who are going to be in the locker room with him who are going to come out and say, look, we're 100% behind you. This is going to be no problem. And, you know, I'd be curious how many already knew that Carl was gay and have already accepted it. And there will be some who will not be accepting and some who will be hesitant to this. And, and I hopefully think at some point in the future, 
you know, this isn't a big deal. And this isn't something we care about. What somebody does behind closed doors in their private life affects nothing and doesn't bother us and doesn't have, we don't have any problem with it. We just move off of it and it's like, oh, okay. And it's nothing. But as of right now, he becomes the first openly active NFL player to come out as gay. And it didn't go very well the last time this happened. Now, that was seven years ago. So hopefully we have taken a step forward here and hopefully we've grown as a society and we're we're more accepting and realizing this is not a big deal and this player has been exceeding expectations from an NFL career perspective and has been an incredibly active and productive player that no one's going to go, well, Michael Sam, when he came out, he did nothing. Now, Michael Sam was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year at Missouri his last year there and then was drafted, didn't make the roster, and according to Michael Sam, it was because, well, he wasn't he, – he, he thinks he was good enough to make a roster and him coming out as gay ruined his NFL career. He was comfortable doing that. He's become a, a very loud, active um, – he's become a very active – you know, spokesperson for LG, LGBTQ youth and has, uh, you know, been you know, someone who has been in the in the spotlight for quite a long time. And I don't know if Carl wants to do that. But here in Vegas, I can tell you that, you know, it, it, it was warmly received and, and I think people are going to be totally fine with him. And, and, and more people know about Carl Nassib today than they did yesterday. And whether he wants to be the face of it in the NFL He's going to be for at least a little while here. So, okay, so a couple things coming up here for before we get into tonight's games. According to Shams, he's reporting that the NBA is expected to implement new rules to limit non-basketball moves that result in offensive foul or no calls beginning next season. And this has a lot to do with James Harden. It has a lot to do with the way that players are forcing fouls because they initiate the contact this could be a pretty a pretty significant change. And the way that guys like James Harding get to the foul line as consistently as they do might stop. So the Board of Governors is taking a look at a couple different uh, ways that players are initiating contact with defenders. When a shooter launches or leans into a defender at an abnormal angle. This is James Harden 101, right? So Harden will be on the wing. He'll he'll lean forward. He'll jump up, and you're forced to, when you touch him, foul him. And then he goes to the line to shoot three free throws sometimes. When a shooter kicks his leg up or to the side at an abnormal angle. Also a James Harden special. Equally, when a player, an offensive player, abruptly veers off of his path sideways or backwards, into a defender. This happens all the time in the NBA. So you'll see a guy driving on a breakaway. He'll stop. He'll jump backwards. The defender who is charging after him will will hit him and foul him. And because the player has set it up, he lays it in. Three-point play. So this could be interesting. And under the new emphasis, is these overt actions will now be called offensive fouls <laughs> if it's deemed more than marginal, or it'll be a no call if it is marginal. So this could change things dramatically and could really change how 
players are on the offensive end, if they're collecting offensive fouls consistently by doing this, whew, that's a really big change if it happens for next year in the NBA. I think people are going to be warmly receiving this because they've watched these, you know, it's within the rules, but in a lot of ways it's not in the spirit of the rule, the way that these offensive players have been managing to get to the free throw line, and it's not about really hitting the shot they're taking. It's about getting to the line and drawing a foul. It helps in a matter of ways, right? You help, it helps your team get over the limit. It helps you go to the foul line, and it gives a foul to that player who's defending you. So it, it's a win-win-win for the offense and a really rough situation for the defensive player. So if this does happen, if these, you know, when a shooter launches or leans into a defender at an abnormal angle, when a shooter kicks his leg up or to the side at an abnormal angle, or when an offensive player abruptly veers off of his path sideways or backwards into a defender, if these three things are really officiated heavily next season, that's a different league. I mean, that's a different, that has a chance to change things dramatically, the way the offenses are going to be played and the way that a lot of these stars have been playing the game. So, I think it's going to be warmly received by a lot of people. A lot of NBA fans are going to be like, yes, please. <laughs> Calling somebody crafty or managing to get to the line. Eh, I'll be curious. The Summer League here in August, they're going to really look to pass these changes as part of the meeting with 30 general managers in, in Monday in Chicago. So, you know, at least they'll play summer league here in Vegas with these rules in place, and the referees will be calling these rules and trying to change things. So maybe to give the guys a heads up as to like, hey, look, it, this is what's going to happen now. Be prepared for a different type of game if you aren't, uh, if you play this way, you aren't going to be allowed to do it the way you have in the past. Okay, so the total tonight is two twenty three, Clippers and the Suns. I bet the under two twenty four last night. I was on the over in game one. It blew past the over. It was 222. In, uh, it was two, I'm sorry, 221 and a half. It closed at 222. I took the over. It went over by a ways. I actually middled it because I came back and I bet under 243 and a half uh, to start the fourth quarter. And so I got both bets right on that game. So I come back. I'm on the under 224. It's now 223. The reason why I'm on the under is because I don't think the Clippers are going to play with the same pace that they played in game one. The first quarter last in game one was how I think this game was going to go. The Clippers controlled tempo. It was a grinder of a game. They played solid defense. And then Booker got cooking. And he's the key to the under. Devin Booker can't go for 40 tonight. You can let him go for 25, but he can't go for 40 tonight. And so how do the Clippers, what adjustments does Ty Lue make? What changes do they make to the pick and roll? And how do they limit the mid-range game for Devin Booker? You can give him the threes. You can even give him the drives to the basket, and I'm okay with that. It's the mid-range game that he just torched the Clippers coming over the top of the screens and getting open jump shots. He just did it over and over and over again, and it led to a 40 spot with a triple-double. Now, he's going to be active rebounding the basketball. The question that I've got with the assists for Booker tonight is going to be what campaign does. Because campaign technically is a starting point guard. He got in foul trouble in game one. That put the ball in Booker's hands. And when Booker plays point guard, they run. And they play way more up-tempo when Booker's running the point 
than when Chris Paul or campaign are running the point. So that's something to watch as well. If Payne gets into foul trouble, the over could be in play and my under bet might be dead. But I do think tonight it's going to be a lower scoring game. I think the Clippers are live to win this game. If I had to bet aside, I would have taken the six points. I like the five points. I don't, you know, it's, it's, I want as many points as possible. How about that? I think there's a chance the Clippers win this, but I think it comes down to, you know, one or two possessions at the end of the game. And the Clippers could very well be right there. They may lose, but they may lose by three or four points. I want the five, five and a half, six points to feel safe here with the Clippers. But the Suns are at home, and they are red hot, and they are very, very difficult to play at home. And this is without Chris Paul. There's kind of like a race here as to who's coming back first, Chris Paul or Kawhi Leonard. It feels like Kawhi Leonard's done for the year. Just listening to Paul George talk, about how you know we're, we're, we're going to pick one up for Kawhi. You know, we're here for Kawhi. He's got a new baby. Kawhi's got a lot of stuff going on. We're here for Kawhi. It doesn't sound like a team that's, you know, he'll be back tomorrow or he's practicing. He's got an ACL injury. It's not insignificant. Paul's got a test negative for COVID. He's probably back in game three or game four. But what will the series look like when Chris Paul comes back? If you're the Clippers, you better be leading the series when Chris Paul comes back. That's all i got to say about that. <laughs> all right, next, we got game number five here in Vegas tonight. Golden Knights against Montreal. Who's in net for Vegas? And we'll break down the game. That is Bernstein from the SiriusXM channel. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. NHL channel joining us here on Pushing the Odds. Dennis, Matt Peralta, how are you? You're doing great, Matt. Let's talk uh, Vegas-Montreal game five. All right. Here's, I need you to help settle an argument. I am of the belief that referees in the postseason will swallow the whistle and they will not make as near as many calls as they do during the regular season. Can you help my Montreal friends here and calm them down? for this conspiracy theory that they think that the referees are stacked against their team? <laughs> no, they're not. They're in the final four. They're tied at two. They're talent-wise, they're the worst team of the four remaining. So, no, there's no conspiracy theory. And I think if you look at the calls, the number of calls made in game uh, in the postseason and in the regular season, there's no change. Because you can't tell me, like, what call – give me a call that affected any of the outcomes of the game. Matt, the best four teams remain. None of these teams have been helped by the referees. Uh, there was missed calls in both games, uh, you know, the last couple of games. The Montreal, you know, there, there was a missed call uh, with respect to getting, you know, the guy getting punched, popped in the face. But, you know, Gustafson came in, you know, high-stick carry in the corner. That could have been a major and been thrown out. So, no, there's no conspiracy theory. The league doesn't want Vegas or Tampa or the Islanders to win over Montreal. It's just a fallacy. You know what it is, Matt? I think, number one, last year, and I was in the bubble, there were no fans in the stands. So when fans are watching the games and there's no reaction to a penalty call or a missed call or whatever, 
Right? There's no hue and cry, so the fans at home didn't really react. This year, you hear fans screaming in buildings, and fans don't go to social media and start complaining. So I just don't see it. I don't buy it. I don't think they have had any impact on on these games or, or how we get to these uh, where we stand right now with respect to the series. I mean, this is Montreal. They're an original six city. I expect more from the Montreal Canadian fans than to be crying <laughs> constantly about referees when they're tied in the fi- in the semifinals at two yeah. and they're, they're monster favorites. It's unbecoming in my mind, Dennis, is what I am saying. Well, Matt, they haven't won since 1993, so I'm sure there's pent-up frustration. You know, Maybe the older generation is accustomed to winning cups. The new generation hasn't won any cups, so maybe that's part of it. But again, like the fact that they're two-two and one of, you know, Vegas entered the series as a minus five twenty-five favorite, and you're complaining now about the referees getting away. You know what you complain about? That you had seventeen high-danger chances, five-on-five in Game Four, and didn't win the game. That you had a one-nothing lead with ten minutes to go, and you were six and zero with the lead going into the third period, and you didn't win the game. And you had Greg McNabb. Yeah. Take a shot. That's Kerry Price, who's been all world sort of stuff. There were so many opportunities to, to win that game for Montreal in game four. You know, beat them. Robin Leonard beat them, not the referees. Totally agree. What did you make of the decision did, to not start Marc-Andre Fleury, the odds-on favorite, to win the Conn Smythe? He does not play in game four. It's Robin Leonard who plays in game yeah. four. What would you make of the call? Well, here's why I don't run the social media until after games to analyze things, Matt, because I think there was one online poll that 90% of the fans polled would have started Marc-Andre Fleury. It's a gamble that Pete DeBoer took. He took that gamble. He took another gamble when he took the timeout during the power play because the power play has been atrocious and burned the power play, which maybe he could have used during the, uh, later in the game. So, look, he took the gamble and he won, and he was right. So it's as simple as that. That's what he's paid for. He had a feeling that this would help them. Now, look, it was a huge gamble, Matt, because, you know, you're in Vegas. The last time you saw Robin Leonard three weeks ago, he was giving up seven goals to Colorado. So, yeah, a huge gamble. But the guy gets right, so give him credit. He knows his team. He knows his goaltenders. And, and you know, maybe Mark Andre Fleury was suffering a little bit with respect to focus because that goal never should have happened in game three. So it's a gamble. He won. And you just leave it at that. Yeah, I'm with it. And I love the comments afterwards that, according to Robin Leonard, he spent two hours watching the media talk blank about him <laughs> on, on, on social media. Right. And, and, and I think he was right to do so because these two, two, these two goaltenders combined to give up the fewest goals of any tandem in the NHL. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like Leonard's a stiff. It's just that he played really poorly against Colorado, and yet he came in and played just tremendously well against Montreal in Game 4. For Game 5 tonight, who would you start, though? I would have to start Leonard until he loses. I mean, that's usually what you do in the postseason. I mean, I, after that performance, and he won them the game, like, how do you not go to him? I, 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 but that's the one thing about Peter Boer. He doesn't really listen to a convention. Like, he's going to go with what he, he thinks is going to give him the best opportunity to win the game tonight, Matt. I would think it will be Robin Leonard based off that performance. He's got confidence back. And not only that, I'd have – I'd have the Habs guessing, Matt, to be honest with you. I wouldn't, you know, he's going to do probably media availability soon. I wouldn't really name a starter and let them kind of figure out who they're going to try. But, again, it's it's not just a goalie. It's like if Vegas needs to play just better in general. They, these, these games are too close. There's a definitive difference in talent between the two teams. Now, Montreal's played great, and I think people undersell how great their goaltending and their defense is. Now, we know about Carey Price, but Shea Weber, uh, you know, at, at, at Petrie, 
Uh, Chariot, they've been fantastic for them. So I think that's the issue. So I would go with Leonard tonight. But, but look, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for him to go back to Marc-Andre Fleury. But I, I don't think that's the proper move tonight. Dennis Bernstein breaking down Vegas and Montreal game five tonight here, uh, pushing the odds. What do you make of the Vegas power play? And if you're Pete DeBoer and you're you know searching for something, is there anything you can mm-hmm. do to juice up the power play, which has been atrocious in this series for Vegas? You can you can refuse the penalties, Matt. I think that's that's what you're left with at this point in time. I don't, I don't think there's anything left because Matt, they, they they don't have that true facilitator, like the guy who facilitates the power. Like they've got finishers, right? Max Pacioretty's a finisher. Yeah, Marchessault's a finisher. Stone's a finisher. And I know that people are saying that Chandler Stevens is making a big difference of him being out, but you know they weren't being effective on the power play with him there. They, they just don't have the quality of players that you see on Tampa Bay. Like, there's no Braden Point on Tampa Bay. There's no Kucherov on Tampa Bay. There's no guy that – it's not the finishers. It's the facilitators. So, I don't think you can do anything. I think the one thing you got to prevent about is pressing too much and you wind up getting a shorthanded goal against you. Mm. I think you tried just, you know, to – to play the, the puck the right way, try to get it, you know, to, to one of your snipers on on the uh, at the circle on the dot. Hopefully, the puck goes in the net. But I wouldn't at this point, since it's so frustrating for this team, I wouldn't want to take away the focus from the rest of their game. So I said, look, let's try our best, let's do it. But the expectation would be, Pete DeBoer, is that you're not going to get helped on the power play, and the only thing that you really want to do is not really get push the issue too much, want up getting an odd man chance against you shorthanded, and you want to give him up a shorthanded goal, which could be a key tonight. Yeah, and Montreal is so good at scoring shorthanded goals, and they take advantage of it yep. so, so readily when it comes to those breakaways. I, I, I've never seen a team like Montreal get as many breakaways as they do. How do they manage to get free and get odd man rushes as often as they do? They cheat. <laughs> They're looking to go the other way. They're not totally because here's why, Matt. Because they have really, they have so much confidence in their D and Carey Price on the penalty kill at this point in time that the forwards can cheat a little bit. Not only that, the pressure of not scoring for Vegas. So your defensemen, you know, like Petrangelo. And Martinez, they're going to cheat a little bit in because, A, we got to finally score. This is going to be a difference in the game. So I think it's a combination. It's almost like a perfect storm. Montreal supremely confident on the PK, and there's a lack of confidence on the Vegas power play. So you wind up having situations where they get out and rushes shorthand. Yeah, and Vegas needs their, their D to be so offensively minded too you're right about pinching yep. in and trying to be you know more looking forward not looking behind and then they get beat backwards and, and they end up getting, giving up odd yep. rushes and they gave up goals how important will it be for montreal to score first tonight if they're going to steal game five uh you know I, I, the statistics will say you should score first it depends how they play in the first period, man. Whether they get – look, you can't get run out of the building like the Islanders did last night. Right? Yep. But but you have to play a representative game. You can't be outshot 15-5 to five in the first period. So Montreal's got to come out with some vigor. I guess Vegas is going to get a boost. They came home. They won game four. Um, they're going to be a little bit jacked up the first 10 minutes. I think then it's cliche, but I think the first 10 minutes of this game tells the tale. If Montreal can hang in there, not give up, let's say, two goals, stay within striking distance, it's going to be another close game. So I think that's the way Montreal looks at it tonight. Um, scoring first, yeah, statistically makes sense. I just look at the style of play and, and who's it favoring. Is it, is it favoring the quick tempo offense of Vegas going up the ice or is it more defensive-minded Montreal? Or is Vegas getting opportunities 
to get at the net, to get at Carey Price in the first 10 minutes. I think that's a key tonight. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's interesting because the first 10 minutes, really all four of these games, Montreal has won the first 10 minutes. And Vegas gets off to really slow yep. starts. And then eventually talent does win out. And you're right, Vegas being more talent, the more they play, the more likely it is that Vegas is going to win. But those first 10 minutes, man, Montreal comes out of the gate. So I'm really looking for Vegas to come out strong tonight and use the atmosphere to their advantage and get a jump on and score maybe one, if not two goals, like you mentioned. Because, man... Tampa last yeah. night, that was a clinic. That was, I mean, how do you bounce back from an 8 nothing loss if you're the Islanders? I, I think the approach would be, if you're very trusting your team, is that one nothing or 8 nothing, we lost the game, and we got to win game six. Yeah. Uh, because you, you burn that video, Matt. You can't watch the video. That was just a clinic. That was, a, I mean, that game should have been stopped at 5 nothing. I mean, they should have played running time. That's how, and it's, it's a slippery slope. When you get... When you play that bad and you're down six nothing, you really don't care if it's six, seven, or eight. Um, it looks terrible on the scoreboard. The one thing they got to do, and I don't know how they do it. Now, if I'm making one bet tomorrow night, Matt, I'm betting that Braden Point scores a goal because he yeah. scores every game without question. So I, I think at this point in time, you just got to put that one away. You park and ride it, and you say, "Look, we got we got our home fans. This is do or die. This is an elimination game. We got to have our best game tomorrow night." So you just got to just got to not look in the rearview mirror at that game last night because that was. Everything you're scared about Tampa Bay about, you saw on display last night. If you're Trotz, who do you play in net tomorrow in a must-win situation after both goaltenders got torched last night? Yeah, I got to go back to Volley. It wasn't Volley's fault. You saw that. I think they had eight odd man rushes yep. in the first period. They don't give up eight in like in two games, man. It was like historically bad defense by the end. That first period, not that was the key. They haven't played that bad a period in a very, very long time since I remember. I've been watching this team most of the season, watching them all the playoffs. I was at Nassau for the Boston Series. That first period, like, you're going, wait a minute, what team is this? These are a bunch of imposters. This is not the way the Islanders play. So I got to go back to Varley. He's, he's carried them all the way. You only put in there, you know, you put Sorokin in because of basically, from, you know, to put some mercy on the guy because he's getting nothing from the team in front of him. It didn't really change the momentum. So I would go to Varley off tomorrow night in an elimination game for the Islanders. All right, Dennis, tonight, who's winning game five, Vegas or Montreal? I Vegas and six to start, Matt, so I'll go with Vegas tonight. Um, close game, probably play the under at this point in time, but I, I like Vegas coming off that game four victory. I think they'll have momentum coming to game tonight. Um, they'll use the home crowd and, and escape the victory against Montreal. Yeah, I'm on the under five and a half as well tonight, and then I had Vegas and six as well, so let's see if it winds up going that way with yep. five and six going to Vegas. Dennis, good stuff, Ben. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you coming on. Always your pleasure, Matt. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. That is Dennis Bernstein at Dennis TFP, the fourth period and Sirius XM, Sirius XM's NHL channel joining us here on Pushing the Odds. I'm with him on Montreal and Vegas tonight with the under. I do think Vegas wins. I'm not laying the juice. It's really expensive to come in minus 250 on the money line, and I don't think the puck line's a good bet. All four of these games so far have been under five and a half goals. I think that continues. There are books where you can find the five, but I don't think I just I don't see six goals being scored here. And I, I think it's going to be Mark Andre Fleury in net. That's just my personal opinion. I haven't seen anything yet. I believe the morning skate is not wrapped up as of yet for Vegas. And so we'll, we'll pass it along once we see it. But I think it's going to be Marc-Andre Fleury to kind of go in the same route that went in against Colorado. Fleury came in, or sorry, Fleury was benched. Leonard came in, and then they went right back to Fleury after, you know, four days, three days off. So I think that's a similar thing that will happen tonight. But if it's Robin Leonard, I'm totally fine with it. I was, 
you know, I was shocked by it, but I wasn't shocked by it entirely because I know how good of a goaltender he can be. Chandler Stevenson's the guy to watch, though. They might be able to get him back. If he plays tonight, that is a monster addition for Vegas at the center position. Watch for him later tonight if he winds up playing tonight for Vegas. He's missed the last three games for Vegas. More to come. It is pushing the odds here on Tuesday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As you continue listening to Sports Grid, ask yourself and be honest. Am I listening enough? Probably not. 16 hours a day. That's all we ask. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. It is Pushing the Odds here on a Tuesday. Good stuff with Dennis Bernstein. So we head towards two games tonight, both games being played later in the evening than probably most on the East Coast would want. You have a 9.15 start time for Vegas and Montreal and a 9 p.m. start time for Phoenix for the for the Suns and the L.A. Clippers. So for us, this is one of the few times for us in on the West Coast where we don't have games, playoff games, in the afternoon. They're in the, both games we played at 6 and 6.15 Pacific time, respectively. So it's kind of like going back home when the games are on at night. I, I don't think, you know, I don't mind it. It's a little bit different. But for the East Coast folks, you guys are going to be up late night if you want to watch some of these games. The leagues don't love that. I mean, the leagues clearly want... New York and Philadelphia and Boston and, you know, the East Coast cities to be watching to help juice up the ratings. But, you know, it is what it is. Montreal fans will be up and watching and there's no issues with L.A. and Phoenix watching their games respectively with their teams being in it. So, you know, here in Vegas, we'll be watching those games closely. You know, maybe we'll watch some College World Series or some baseball out there. And I, I will be today. I am closely watching baseball totals. They haven't been moved up with you know there's not a single double digit total today on the board the highest total is nine and a half on the baseball board right now that's Houston and Baltimore with Zach Greinke on the mound which is interesting but Lopez going for the Orioles nine and a half is the highest total so far if the baseball's not being played with or or, or fooled around with from from a sticky stuff perspective if those are if that's going to stop happening across the board and that might lead to more offense I think we have to watch overs in baseball in teams that have great offenses maybe coming to life and scoring a bunch of runs like Houston the Yankees you know you know the 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 Blue Jays if you got big you know big bats Angels Dodgers, Padres, offense may be the name of the game. Kershaw and Snell tonight, by the way. Dodgers, Padres is phenomenal. All right, coming up, we've got a whole hour left to go. A lot on the Suns game tonight against the Tough Clippers. We'll do that coming up later on. Coming at you all day, every day. With more added. 